Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Germany in Focus. We're recording this on Thursday, October 20th. Today, we're talking about the latest developments in Germany's plan to legalize cannabis. We're looking into how Germany is changing its immigration laws and why politicians hope it will attract skilled workers to the country. And we'll talk about the citizenship law changes that the government is planning, which affect a lot of our listeners. We'll dig into the very German obsession with cash and ask if the culture is changing at all. And we're going to chat about why a lot of people are visiting Frankfurt this week. I'm your host, Rachel Loxton, one of the editors at The Local Germany. Today, I'm with journalists Sarah McGill and Aaron Burnett in Berlin. And later, I'll talk to Konstantin Weiss, who is the founder of a startup helping to match immigrant job seekers in Germany with companies that need staff. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. First of all, apologies that we couldn't be here last week. Unfortunately, I had COVID and was not in a very good way at all. So we had to cancel our recording at short notice. Very sorry about that, but I'm glad to be back. Aaron, I've been having to isolate at home, although I'm free now. How have you been enjoying the autumn weather in Berlin? Well, I'm definitely enjoying the outdoor runs and being able to still grab a beer outdoors on the patio in October, which I've certainly tried to make the most of before the weather leaves us for the winter. But soon enough, uh, we will be keeping warm with Glühwein at the Christmas <laughs> markets, and I am very excited. Great. And Sarah, you've been away in the UK. Are you happy to be back? Uh, I have to say I am, actually. I've just spent two weeks watching the calamitous state of affairs in British politics, so I'm happy to be back in a country where the people in charge seem to actually be focused on doing the job of running the country. <laughs> absolutely. It's it's chaos over there, yeah, I have absolutely. to say. Unbelievable. Pandemonium. Germany's health minister, Karl Lauterbach, has been setting out plans on cannabis legislation. Now, the draft proposals are a step forward towards creating a legal cannabis market in Germany. And this was actually a key pledge of the Free Democrats in last year's federal election. So by doing this, the coalition, which is made up of the Social Democrats as well as the Greens and the, the FDP, says it wants to create a safer alternative to cannabis sold on the black market and prevent money going into organized crime. And the health minister believes that around 4 million people regularly use cannabis in Germany. Aaron, what could a legal cannabis market actually look like in Germany? So, Rachel, Germany is planning what may well be one of the most liberal cannabis regimes in the world. It's envisioned that you would be able to buy cannabis in specially licensed locations, including pharmacies, but also potentially places not unlike Amsterdam's famous coffee shops. Those places would have to be a certain distance away from places like schools, and cannabis would be restricted to adults. You would also not be able to advertise 
cannabis either. Having 20 grams on you would be legal for anyone over the age of 18. The active ingredient, or THC, what really gives cannabis its kick, would also be limited to 15% for people over the age of 21. And people between the ages of 18 and 21 would be limited to 10% THC, so a slightly lower grade of product. Wow, so these are the initial plans, but it could be that we will be able to buy weed in certain shops and pharmacies in future. Do we have any idea of when it might happen? We could see the new law passed next year, but it does take time to set up a regulatory regime, to train people, to approve locations. So it'll probably be at least early 2024 before we can pick some of that up very easily. Are there any hurdles for the German government? This seems like a really huge thing to legalize cannabis. There actually is a pretty big one, and that is EU law, potentially. EU law technically prohibits cultivating or selling marijuana for non-medical use. And what Germany is planning goes far beyond most other countries. It'll be right up there with Canada in terms of how liberal the regime actually is. The Netherlands technically tolerates marijuana. It is actually not technically legal there. Malta has legalized it as long as you don't make a profit. But Germany's proposed changes go a lot further than this. The health minister says they're confident they'll find a way around it. But he doesn't say precisely yet how. So it is one to watch. That is really interesting. Thank you, Aaron. The coalition government is working on changing naturalization laws. At the moment, people generally have to be living in Germany for eight years, although this can be reduced in some cases before they can apply for citizenship. But in future, becoming German will be possible after five years and as little as three years in some cases where people are seen to have integrated well. And under the new rules, it will allow dual citizenship for non-EU nationals as well as EU citizens. Aaron, you managed to get a big update on this issue this week. Please share it. Well, mark December on your calendars, everyone. Uh, That's when the Federal Interior Ministry is going to present a new draft citizenship law. We will finally get to see this much-anticipated law, and it will allow dual citizenship in general. So this draft law is going to go before parliamentarians in the Bundestag before Christmas. The Federal Interior Ministry had several parliamentarians confirmed that to us at the local this week, Mm -hmm. the three traffic light parties agreed that they were going to allow dual citizenship when they negotiated their coalition agreement after the election last year. Mm -hmm. But they never said precisely when they were going to get around to changing this law that will allow people naturalizing as German to keep their other citizenship if they come from a non-EU country. That has left a lot of people waiting in limbo for the last year. There's lots of stories on the local that you can read about people who've just been waiting to apply for this change. So it's not the end of the long wait, but it is the beginning of the end. Amazing. Um, And this is such a big deal to so many people, as you said. And it's also a sea change for Germany, which has had tough citizenship rules in previous governments. Do we have any idea then when the actual law will change, Aaron? So that's still a bit up in the air. The chair of the 
SPD's faction in the Bundestag's Interior Committee, told us this week that if the Interior Ministry presents this to the Bundestag on time in December, as we are expecting, that the new law would be passed by summer at the latest. So Wow. Yeah, it's it's soon. There might be a short waiting period after that for the new rules to take effect. That's very common. When Germany changes new regimes, they want civil servants to be trained in how the new system is supposed to work before they do a complete changeover. We'll find out a bit more, I would wager, about precisely when, when we actually get to see this draft law in a couple of weeks from now. Excellent. Thank you so much, Aaron. And I know from speaking to the local readers of how busy and stressful immigration offices are at the moment already. Sarah, how do you think the offices will cope with more people applying for citizenship? Uh, Well, I think they're going to struggle, to be honest. I think there's a real urgent need for digitalisation. And as you said, as I'm hearing, reading, a lot of people are still having extremely long waiting times. Well, and many people, as we've said, have been waiting a long time. Long-term residents who have been in Germany possibly for decades are basically sitting on their papers waiting for this law change. And I think that many of these people may all apply at once. There could be a real issue bureaucratically. Absolutely. You're going to need a lot of new staff. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. <laughs> That's one thing anyway. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Our Germany in Focus podcast is free to listen to, but it's made possible by readers becoming members of the local Germany. If you're not yet a member, you can support us by heading to thelocal.de and subscribing with a reduced rate for podcast listeners at thelocal.de slash podcast offer. The coalition government in Germany wants to make it easier for non-EU nationals to come to the country to live and work. And this is to help plug the huge skilled worker shortage. So the government is planning to introduce a new points-based immigration system, similar to what the likes of Canada has, for example. And the aim is to make it easier for people to come to Germany for work. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit more about the plans? Yeah, so these plans are part of the coalition government's wider agenda of trying to make Germany more foreigner-friendly and also have a key role to play in helping to combat Germany's worker shortage. So this new points-based system, which the Labour Minister presented back in September, means that non-EU nationals will be able to come to Germany to look for work, even without a job offer, as long as they fulfil at least three of the criteria of having a degree or a professional qualification, having experience of at least three years, having language skill or previous residents in Germany and are under 35. So it's a really big change because at the moment, non-EU nationals need a concrete job offer to get their visa accepted. Mm -hmm. Or they can apply for a visa for job seekers, but the process is, is very bureaucratically heavy and takes a long time. So how many people would be allowed to come under the scheme? So the Labour Minister has said that the government will set a yearly quota for the number of people who will be able to come to Germany with a so-called opportunity card based on the needs of the labour market. Okay, and can you tell us a bit more about the worker shortage? Yeah, well, it's affecting the entire labour market at the moment. A recent report showed that in the second quarter of 2022, there were 1.9 million job vacancies in Germany in the skilled and unskilled sectors. But there are really significant shortages in the health sector, social services, teaching, IT, construction, architecture engineering, building services, really across the board. What's causing the worker shortage? 
Well, the main thing is the fact that Germany is an ageing population, so there are more people leaving the workforce than entering the workforce. And before the pandemic, the German economy was doing very well. Uh, it was actually one of the best performing European economies after the 2008 financial crisis. Mm-hmm. So the need for workers has just been growing over the last 14 years. Interesting. So the previous German government did bring in the Skilled Immigration Act, and that came into force in 2020. And that was meant to make it easier for skilled foreign workers to come to Germany. But clearly, the current government thinks that more work needs to be done, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was just a first step, but the changes from 2020 aren't seen as going far enough. Yeah, in fact, the head of the Federal Employment Agency said that Germany needs around 400,000 new workers each year to plug the gap in the labour market. So what else is the Labour Ministry doing to try and address the problem? So last week, the Federal Cabinet approved a new skilled worker strategy paper, which lays out all of the ways that the German government wants to try and activate the people who are already living in Germany to enter the workforce. So that includes things like uh, encouraging more women to take up full-time work by expanding childcare services, promoting training and study courses in sectors that are most affected by the skilled workers shortage, especially in skilled trades like plumbing, carpentry, and also offering more support and vocational training for people who came here as refugees, particularly those who came in 2015, offering more language courses as well. Oh, that is interesting because we do have a lot of refugees here in Germany at the moment, of course, many from Ukraine, but also from other countries, as you mentioned. So there are plans to focus on this group as well. Yeah, definitely. There's certainly plans to to try to activate the refugee population who've come who came since 2015 but also to try to accommodate more the refugees who've come from especially from Ukraine since this year but what currently stands in the way of that is is a lot of bureaucratic hurdles language problems I still think there's a long way to go to incorporate the current wave of refugees into the labour market. Thank you for the update Sarah. I spoke with Constantine Weiss, who is the founder of the startup Fixcraft that helps to deal with the bureaucracy for immigrant job seekers in Germany. I asked him how bad the labour shortage really is. It is a massive issue because every single company currently is looking to hire um, across all levels of their their organisation, whether that's early jobs um, or whether it's more senior levels. Most importantly, I think we're only at the beginning of seeing the full consequences of this issue. If you look at the population statistics, we will have a lot of people going into retirement in the next five years. This is the the baby boomer generation that will head into retirement. And there aren't enough people joining the labor force as would be necessary to maintain the the overall population levels. And so we hear a lot about the skilled worker shortage, but are you seeing it across the board? It sounds like that's what you're saying. It's not just skilled workers, it's everywhere. Exactly. That that's exactly right. So one, yes, there is a skilled labor shortage, which is particularly tricky to solve given the German system of the Ausbildungsberufe. So the the dual educational system um, that we have, and that's very very deeply ingrained in the backbone of the countries of the country's economy. So whether that's manufacturing or whether it's bakeries or even office jobs, you have Ausbildungsberufe, and the way that companies are thinking about replacing people that have just gone into retirement, or even if they want to go, is they look for people with those qualifications. The issue is. As there are not as many people going into 
going into these Ausbildungen anymore. It's more difficult to find people who have those exact qualifications. And recognizing outside qualifications, um, foreign qualifications, or even foreign experiences is a very bureaucratic process. At the same time, a lot of companies have now also realized that they are looking beyond those qualifications. And then it just comes to, to the point where there's a need for people. So not even skilled workers, but just workers in general. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Exactly. So, so the, um, you're talking about the very specific kind of German traineeships that people can do in Germany. And that's what they're looking for rather than perhaps recognizing so many foreign qualifications. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the, the, the apprenticeship system that we have which is very heavily dependent on the three years of education that you that you do. It's further complicating um, matters by having the German requirements. So just as an aspect of immigrating into the into the labor force in Germany and filling the positions that are really um, needed to fill, a lot of people are struggling with filling in the the positions based on the language requirements that they have. So a lot of companies, what, what we're seeing is a lot of companies are trying to mitigate that by saying, we'll hire you and then we'll make sure that either we train you internally and um, in the professions where that is a possibility, you also have professions where you need a, a governmental um, okay to be, to be working in those jobs, for example, as electricians. Or, of course, also as, as doctors, just as one example. But for the jobs where that isn't the case, um, a lot of companies already are saying, what we are going to do is we're going to hire you, we're going to see how you perform, and then also we're going to start training you internally. Maybe they still pursue the qualifications once they're ready for it, or they just completely go with um we'll train you internally and that's it so we've also been talking about the the government's plans to change immigration laws uh, to to look to a points-based immigration system and they want to encourage workers uh, skilled workers to come to germany do you think that the laws go far enough i don't think the law goes far enough at least the the law that we're currently seeing because it hasn't been it hasn't been put into into um effect yet but from from what we're seeing, the it of course it is a step into the right direction because the government is communicating. We realize that there's some massive need to to change things. Unfortunately, there are still some very bureaucratic steps involved, mainly around this entire point of recognizing foreign uh, foreign qualifications. So the fact that, for example, the academic qualifications are recognized but practical work experience is not so much taken into account there's one second point which is communicated in the in the government plans which is that there's an annual quota of people that are supposed to immigrate um, into germany using this schossenkarte which doesn't really make sense given the context that we're in because what Germany needs is as many people. So we're talking about the official, the, the Bundesagentur für Arbeit is talking about 400,000 people per year that are required into the German labor force, out of which 290,000 ought to be from non-EU countries, which if you compare that to the current numbers is for 
fold of what we're seeing. So there just needs to be a massive effort to increase immigration into the labor market. Why you would include a quota of having a mechanism to regulate how many people each year would enter the labor market doesn't really seem the right question to be asking. At the same time, you have to understand that the people that you're trying to get to come to Germany are not only considering about coming to Germany because they're also thinking about immigrating to Canada, to the U.S., and to other countries. So it gives a sort of sends a, a peculiar message that isn't really part of what we're dealing with because it still sort of tries to communicate that maybe we don't really want you there. Um, and at the same time, it just adds uncertainty and adds reasons for people to choose not to come to Germany but go to other countries instead. Really interesting. So Germany is competing with these other these other countries, as you say. So it needs to be needs to needs to look good. Absolutely. And uh, lastly, Constantine, in in your opinion, what are any other big cultural changes needed in Germany to make workplaces more? foreigner friendly or to encourage uh, encourage people like non-EU nationals to choose Germany? Any cultural changes you could think of that could be good? I think the biggest cultural change that companies can start working on, and a lot of companies that we're working with are already doing this, is the question of language, language used at the workplace. Um, it's a very difficult question to address because typically you will have a majority of your company speaking in German. But we're seeing that the companies currently who are having most success in hiring new people who are not from Germany are the ones who have implemented either some sort of English-speaking teams within their companies or within their, their workers have focused specifically on certain regions where they will hire the workers from. Just as an example, there's a there's a company we work with, they employed 250-ish people and they focus on hiring, they produce they produce printing equipment and they've hired people predominantly from Eastern Europe, mainly the former Yugoslav and the former Soviet countries speak both languages, so German and Russian, German and Ukrainian, German and Bulgarian, for example, which allows them to hire new staff that doesn't have the German skills required yet. Of course, they still are looking for the willingness within their workers to learn German, but it also allows them to start working and to start being, um, being productive and also start earning money at a time where they maybe only speak Russian until now. So those are just one one example of a culture shift that a company can do to have more success in mitigating the effects of demographic change and people going into retirement. The second thing is that people can, or companies have started and should even more start about thinking, what are the unspoken rules of the German labor market that people who are foreign to our system are experiencing. So for example, the fact that you will only receive your salary after tax instead of before tax is a peculiarity of the German system that other countries might not have. And if we've, we have had this example of people starting to work and then reaching out to us saying, hey, the company didn't wire me the full amount of money. What's going on? Are they trying to, are they trying to trick us? And we, we find ourselves explaining, no, so you have, you have sort of auto and metal, um, and this is what happens. And 
there's a lot of so even once people have found a job it just means that there's still a lot of work to be done in communicating the way the system works and the sooner companies realize that the easier it's going to be for them to have long lasting success with finding new people Anyone who's visited Germany or lives here will be aware that you really do have to carry cash on you, unlike lots of other places that have moved more towards card or contactless payments. Lots of restaurants, cafes and even shops only allow you to pay with bargeld or cash. Aaron, this week you tweeted a picture of a cafe in Berlin that had a sign outside saying it accepted card payments only. Your tweet went viral because that is something quite extraordinary in Germany. Can you tell us more? Well, everyone has that dreaded experience of being in a place in Germany that takes cash only. You know the one. You open your wallet. You hope that you have a small fortune in there, basically just waiting for the right pickpocket to swipe it off you. And then you realize that you don't have enough money. So this week, I'm on a walk with a friend, and I spot this card-only sign. And I think that is the polar opposite of what you expect in this country. This isn't Sweden or Estonia or some other advanced technology-embracing cashless country. No, so, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really isn't. So I snapped a photo because seeing a sign like that is just so rare here, and it blew up my Twitter notifications for three days. Some people, either joking or serious, accused me of being some sort of Photoshop wizard ninja. <laughs> <laughs> and, and another said that I must have taken this photo in southern Denmark near the border with Germany, even though if you look at that photo, there's no written Danish on that sign. Really, a cashless business is just considered so unbelievable here. Yeah, it's wild. It's like front page news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys, what is behind the German obsession with cash, do you think? Well, almost half of Germans say cash is their preferred payment method. That's a, That same number is about 9% for Swedes, for example. Privacy and security are certainly key variables. One cashless business I spoke to said they had out-of-town German tourists who left their cards locked in their hotel safe because they were worried about them being stolen. And some also asked whether the business could actually see into their accounts if they used their cards to pay Others were concerned about hacking. Uh, we've seen some movement since the pandemic, though. Card transactions went up 5% last year, and ATM withdrawals in Germany went down 10% over the same period. So people are paying more with card. So it is changing, but maybe quite slowly. Very slowly, yes. <laughs> Sarah, what's your experience? Do you think more places are accepting card in Germany? I mean, I have to say no, to be honest. In Berlin, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's still a surprise when a waiter pulls out the card reader. It's usually, it's still cash everywhere. I have to admit, I have the same experience. I feel like I pay with cash much more often in Berlin, apart from the supermarket, of course, which accepts cards. But most places, especially restaurants, they want cash. The supermarkets will even give you cash if you overpay your bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, cash back. Yeah, because it's the only place that'll take card a lot of the time. <laughs> Excellent. Now we're hopping over to Frankfurt in the state of Hesse because the world's oldest book fair is taking place until Sunday. Sarah, what can you tell us about it? 
Well, the Frankfurt Book Fair is the world's largest book fair, and it's slowly moving back towards normality after the pandemic. And 2020 was mainly digital, and 2021 was also pretty muted because there were still a lot of COVID restrictions in place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the organisers are very happy to kick things off to get back to normal. Things started on Wednesday, and the fair runs until Sunday, and there are more than 4,000 authors from over 80 countries who are presenting their books. Mm-hmm. There'll be journalists, writers, the Spanish royal family even making an appearance. Wow. Yeah, and also there will be a speech by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky by video link. So yeah, it's it's shaping up to be a pretty exciting event. It's not to be missed in your if you're in that part of the country, I'd say. Fantastic. Um, that sounds great. Aside from books, I've always wanted to go to Frankfurt to try the Apfelwein, which I've heard is great there. Well, wine country is close by, so there's many great flavors to sample. <laughs> also, just across the river from Frankfurt in Mainz, you can see the Gutenberg Bibles, if the book fair hasn't sated your love of books. Plus, the Rhine Valley is close by with uh, its castles. It's an absolutely gorgeous part of the country. Really nice. Well worth a visit. That's all we've got time for this week. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to check out the links in the show notes for some of the topics we've been covering. Thank you so much to this week's panellists, Sarah McGill, Aaron Burnett and Constantine Weiss, as well as sound engineer Reese Edwards. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. Our username is Germany in Focus. And don't forget to rate the podcast on your podcast app. Please tell us what you think about the podcast. We want your feedback. I'm Rachel Loxton and we'll be back again next Friday with a new episode of Germany in Focus. Until then, take care. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.